Good morning. Welcome to this live broadcast from River Valley Christian Church, Lake Elmo. We're glad that you're with us. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we know that you'll be blessed today. Why do we know that you'll be blessed today? Because we know that God is good. We know that in this time, we're all kind of missing the fellowship of gathering together. But we know that our God is good. And that even though we can't get together, that God's grace is sufficient for the circumstance and the situation. And we're going to trust in that. And I know that right now, God's presence is going out to you. He's, he's touching you because He loves you. He cares about you. And you're making an effort to continue to be in fellowship as best we can. And you're being blessed by that. And I'm glad that you're here. Just want to say hi to everyone. Lake Elmo, glad that you're listening. Prescott, we're glad that you're part of all of this. We have hopes for you as a church. We're going to see you grow down in Prescott, the Engaged Church, New Life Family Church in New Richmond. You are blessed. God loves you. And the Lighthouse up in St. Croix Falls, thank you. You guys are faithful and you are blessed. So I get the, pl- the privilege and the honor of talking about tithe and honoring this mor- tithes and offerings this morning. We're going to start with that this morning and then we're going to go into worship. That way, you know, we'll get it all out of the way and then we can just hear the main message from Pastor John. So get ready. Um, I've kind of had it on my heart for a while. Uh, when I originally was going to come to Lake Elmo, I was going to talk about some of this. So I've had to condense it down a little bit. And I told Pastor John I wouldn't take more than 15 minutes. We'll see. <laughs> so uh, a number of uh, a few years ago, I came across a teaching that talked about tithes and offerings and and the types and how they function. And at first, I was questioning. I'm like, okay, it sounds pretty good. So I started looking into it to find out: is this real? Is this what does the scripture say? Is it verifiable? And then through experience, I I have come to agree with this particular um, outlook, teaching on things, and that's this. There are four types of teachings in the, there's four types of givings in the, the scripture. There's tithes, there's offerings, there's first fruits, and there's alms, and they all have a part to play. And since I have 15 minutes, I can only cover a couple of them, and then hopefully next week, maybe, <laughs> I can cover the rest of them. But I wanted to talk about tithes. You know, we, we always talk about tithe and offering. Uh, anybody who's been a disciple for a length of time has heard about the giving of tithes and offerings. But what is a tithe? Where does it fit in? Where, how does it, what is a tithe? This is going to be the first question. Tithe is 10. 10%. It comes from the scriptures. The first time we see it is in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Uh, Abraham gives to a tithe after he's gone out to battle and he gives it to Melchizedek, the king of peace. Interesting. The king of peace. And he gives this offering. That's the first time we see it. But then we see God institute it in the law. We see that it's established there in the law in uh, Leviticus 27 and 30. And all, all the tithe of the land whether of seed or of the land, of the fruit of the the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. The Old Testament law is spiritual. 
is given by God himself. It has its place. It has its purpose. We don't just disregard it because of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Everything that we see in the law translates into the new kingdom. Jesus is the fulfillment of it. But there's principles that are laid down in it. There is arguments that say, well, we're not under the law. We don't have to abide by it. You're right. You don't have to give 10%. You're free to not have to give 10%. But there's a principle here. And the principle is, is under the old covenant, you were required to give a tenth. Under the new covenant, you're required to give all. So you could say that you're not required to give a tenth, but the reality is, is if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're required to give it all. You know, and he put a principle in here in the Old Testament, a tenth. Who does it belong to? It obviously belongs to God. He calls it, it's holy, it belongs to him. The tithe belongs to him. If you keep the tithe, what are you doing? I think I heard somebody said stealing from God. I think I heard that over the, the airwaves. <clears throat> yeah? Who does it belong to? But it's God's, but he gives it. It's, God doesn't need the money. Who needs the money? God's organization, God's works, God's people, the, the people that God has called. God gives the tithe in the Old Testament to the Levites. Numbers 18 and 26. Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithe which I have given to you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. That means ministers tithe too. We all tithe. We all, you know, and it's, it's about, it, it boils down to finances. It, are we so... Are we so stingy that we can't give 10% to God? Are, are we so controlled by finances and so afraid that God's too small to provide for us that we can't honor him with a tenth? What is the tithe? What is the tithe? I've thought about this a lot because it's a question. If you're supposed to give a tithe, what are you supposed to give off of? I don't know how many of people have thought about this. <clears throat> but what I've, I've come through studying this out some, my belief about what the tithe is, is that it's what you produce. That which you've labored to produce. Because the idea is that you put your hands to the ground, you work in the field, you plant seed, you cultivate it, and a crop comes up. And then you take from that and you give a tenth to God. So it's what you've put effort into that you give out of. Uh, Deuteronomy 14.22 says, And you shall tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And speaking to an agricultural society, that's what they did. They produced from the ground. So they put their labor into that and they took from it. You spend hours at your job putting in effort to provide goods and services. At the end of that period of time, you expect to receive pay. Why? Because you've put effort into it. And you're saying, I deserve this because I've done the work that was required of me. That is what we give a tithe off of. That's where that tithe comes in. 
And we give it to honor God because he's the one that gave us the ability to get that in the first place. He's the one that gives us strength. He's the one that gives us wisdom. He's the one that gives us insight and the capability to do this. And so we honor him with that. You know what? God has something to say about us not giving. And we use this scripture quite often, or I've heard it many, many times in my years as a Christian, and it's Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor, the, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. There's a benefit to being obedient and honoring God with the tithe, and that's blessing. You know, it, I've, in my own life, there was a period of time when um, I had gone through Bible school and and I, I knew all the, the teachings, I knew all the instruction, I'm, I'm, I'm running a business. And I, there were some times that were tight, and I just like, um, I'm not sure if we're gonna have enough, and I stopped tithing. You know, and it's kind of amazing how my work began to dry up. I didn't have much work, things started to break down. And then I, I said, you know what, I know better than this, and I started tithing, and I started getting work, and, and you know, things started to work properly. There, there is a practical reality. God is real, and he asks us to do things because he understands how the universe functions. And if he's asking us, he's saying, give a tenth. And he says, because if we do that, it'll open a window of heaven. In this particular scripture in Malachi, God is addressing the people because they were, they were building their houses in Israel, but the temple was left neglected. And God said, you're not doing what's right. You, and this is to provide for those that God has called. It says that the Levites don't have an inheritance they're called out from among God, to, and they don't have an inheritance. They, they're not supposed to be working the ground. There's those that say, I think ministers should, should be vocational. They should work out there in the world, and, they should, you know, and then they should just pastor on the side. You know what? As I study scripture, I see that that is completely wrong. If, if you're a minister called the Lord, it should be. There are times when we do do that. We do the bivocational thing. Paul, uh, P, yeah, Paul talks about it. He did it because out of necessity, there was no church there. There was no base of people. He had to build the church. So he had to have a job and then build the church. But the, those that are called to minister need to minister to God. You know what the Levites did? In the Old Testament law, they're called to service the tent of meeting. The meeting. The gathering place. We are the, you're the body of Christ. And we're called as ministers to minister to the gathering. It's just the temple is no longer built with hands. The temple's inside of you. And we service the temple of God. That's our job. And if you don't take care of those that are taking care of the temple, then how are the things of God taken care of? 
This is the least of things. This is the smallest. Ugh. I got four minutes left. Take six. T- take six? Yeah. I mean, I got a whole other page. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you know what? We're, we're just going to scrap the second part. We'll save that one for next week. That, the, the second page is about offerings. But the tithe, we start there. You know, and I said that it's what you produce. You know, there's some people that they retire and they no longer produce anymore. Well, do they tithe? Well, here's a reality, that when they get to that point, they've already established in themselves such a heart of giving that they do it anyway. Because they've matured and they've grown up in God. And they, it's like, even though they may not have to tithe, they do it anyway. Because there's more to this. There's offerings, which is I'm, I'll get into next week. I want to encourage you. If you've never given an offering, give. If you've never tithed, tithe. Make the leap to get there. You know what? If you're a faithful tither, I want to encourage you to give. I want you to give more. Because next week, I'll tell you the the benefit of offerings, which is above and beyond the tithe. But we give out of the tithe to honor God. These are the least of things. It says that if we can't be responsible with the unrighteous mammon, how can we be trusted with more? There's a lot of people who want to operate in the deep things of God, but they're never willing to tithe. They're never willing to offer. If the worship team wants to come up, you can, right now we're not getting together, so you can't bring your tithe and offering uh, and give it, but you can give online. All the the churches have websites, and on their websites they have giving uh, available to you. You can mail it to the churches or you can drop it by the individual churches. My churches, you will have to find me, contact me, because who knows where I'm going to be. Uh, <laughs> and cover the give options. We're, we're streaming live on YouTube. I want to encourage you. We can't see you. If you're watching and you're liking and you're enjoying the service, hit the like button. Hit the like button. Let us know that you're watching. Also, if you want to continue to see content, hit the subscribe button. And if you want to get notifications when something new shows up on the page, hit the notification bell in the corner. I think it's down in this corner. You're blessed. God love you. Let's get into worship. Father, we do prepare the way for you this morning. Father, we lay aside all the things, all the, all the worries, all the cares, all the fear. Father, we purpose to lay aside all the pride, all the selfishness. We prepare. We, we endeavor to clear the way so that you can do what you want to do in this day and age in our lives. 
Father, we choose to prepare the way for you this morning. We do that through worship. We do that through obedience. We do that through humility. We do that in whatever way. Whatever way. Father, we do lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, greet one another. Hey! Why am I echoey? I don't need to be echoey. All right, so... I see that uh, there's been a number of folks, thank you worship team, thank you, it was awesome. I see there's an, actually a whole bunch of people uh, doing, uh, putting chat on the, uh, on the uh, live stream here, the video. So hi Bree, Bree was the first one to chat, hi Bree. So uh, Jessica Shackley, awesome, hey Jessica, everybody say hi to Jessica. Hey Jessica, yeah, hey Jessica. Ashley Eager, good afternoon. See, we, we have an international outreach here right now. It's welcome to River Valley Christian Church International Outreach. Uh, Ethan Neitzel, whoever that is. No, hey buddy. And, and hopefully Alyssa is awake. I don't know if she's not or not, you know, may not be yet, but hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Bob McClung, uh, Greg and Mary Mawold, uh, Dave Rabenschneider. Hey Dave, we're praying for you. Dave just had a uh, surgery this week, and so we're lifting you up, man, and praying for you. It's good to good to see you're watching. Chris Myers, hey man, how you doing? Good to see everybody. The Hallbacks, awesome. So glad uh, to see you guys on there. John Pierre, Christy Ziegler, uh, saying hi to everybody. It's so cool. This is absolutely amazing to me that we are uh, able to to do this and to have this kind of fellowship uh, as. As uh, strange as that may sound, uh, with all this distance, to have uh, fellowship with one another, um, even in this way. And uh, as we uh, get ready to go into the sermon this morning, I was thinking about this. You know, there's an old saying back when I first started to uh, do public speaking. They said, if you're ever nervous, uh, picture uh, everybody in the, in the audience in their underwear. And uh, the thing is, I just realized is that this may be the closest we ever get to that because uh, many of you are hopefully in your pajamas. At least, please be in your pajamas because I just can't, uh, but I can picture you in your pajamas. No, it's good to, it's a strange world we live in, isn't it? And I'm in a strange mood this morning, so you know, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see as we move through this experience how many things change we i've had that conversation with a number of folks lately how many things are going to change or how many things have changed already and i'll will never go back we'll never go back and one of them is this how many people will say hey i can watch church uh from my my uh, home from from wherever i am in the world and uh, the, the one thing I noticed this morning, though, I was, I was thinking about that during worship this morning. The one thing, you know, yes, worship is amazing. 
over video and you can worship with the worship team, but there is nothing like being here. There's nothing like being in the room. You, you think it's powerful at home. My goodness. It's, uh, it's worth being together. And then the fellowship. You know, it's, it's good to be together in the same place. It's good to, to have fellowship with one another. It's good. You know, the one thing that you're uh, able to, to, to avoid here, you know, at this time is having to, to rub shoulders with people that annoy you. Uh, unless they're the ones in your home. If they're already in, the, oh yeah, yeah, no, Jerry, Jerry, careful, Jerry, Jerry Schwartz just looked at his wife and said, "Well, we're doing that." Uh, apparently, no, that's not what he said. Oh, okay, I don't know, but uh, but you're, it's good to have to walk in love, you know. All of this stuff. This morning, I want to talk about. I want to try to get back to normal, as normal as as it can be in this uh, really weird time. Um, I had started a series at the end of last year and uh, changed it a bit at the first in, uh, in at the New Year's. Uh, the series last year was, Who Are You? Who are you? Um, it's interesting to see uh, how important it was that we were talking about this. Um, because as we, as we go through this experience, it's interesting to, to see what becomes important. Like I said this morning, you know, you can watch this at home. You can be a part of this service anywhere in the world, whether it be in in uh, in uh, uh, where where Massachusetts, wherever Jessica's at, California, where Ethan is, or uh, Ashley in Hungary. And I know there's people actually in other parts of the world that are watching this. You can watch this from home, but. There's something about being with the body of Christ that, that is much more important, much more. But things are going to change. Who you are doesn't change with circumstances. Who you are, who you're called to be, is not something that, that just, whatever is happening in the world, it changes everything. That was the series that I, I started with, it, or I began in the, end, in the fall and in, over the end of 2019. And then in 2020, the Lord led me to change that to, I am. You know, who are you? Well, Jesus said, I am. And I believe we can say, I am. And we can say, I am whatever the Bible says that I am. I, can, I am whatever God says that I am. It's important to know who you are. And uh, that's the thing I, I just keep hearing in the Spirit through all of this, is that as we walk through this, we need to be very, very conscious of what God is saying to you at every moment. I've been hearing from people um, as we talk uh, over the last few weeks that they were we were in the middle of doing something, and then all of a sudden I felt like I wasn't supposed to do it, and I was supposed to go do something else, or I was supposed to go here or do go say this or whatever. And and then there's a testimony that goes along with it. I've noticed that myself. God is speaking, not more than He ever did before, but apparently I'm hearing it more. Other people are hearing hearing more how to be led by the Spirit. And I believe that, that this time is a perfect opportunity to hone that skill. To hone the, the ability to hear the voice of God, to know who you are, to know what He's calling you to do, and to walk it out 
with power, with authority. And there's going to be a day, and here's the thing, there's going to be a day when you are going to have to do that. I mean, we have to now. You have to know how to hear the voice of God now. It's important. But there will be a day where it's life and death. Absolutely life and death. So, uh, turn with me to, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, this is written by Paul to the Corinthian church. And uh, he's, he's writing this to them to encourage them. The first letter, he just spent the whole letter chewing them out. He spent the whole letter yelling at them, telling them to knock it off. Apparently I heard that in a sermon recently. Uh, that you know, but and I promised I, I I won't yell at anybody this morning. I don't think uh, George is not in the room, so that's probably a good thing. I probably won't have to yell at anybody this morning. But uh, the first letter to the Corinthians, he was just basically chewing them out because they were doing goofy stuff, and he's going knock it off. In the second letter to the Corinthians, he's encouraging them and he's building them back up. He's he's helping them to understand why this is so important. And so, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, he says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That is very evident, isn't it? This, this thing that we're walking through is not the worst thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth. You know, when you look at, at history, if you, when you look at world history, there have been times that, that make this, that makes this look like a day in the park. You know, uh, I saw a meme early on in all of this. Somebody wrote, you know, the, you know, this is the first time in history where we've been able to save the world by staying home and watching TV on the couch. You know, that, this, this is not the worst thing that can happen. This is not a world war. This is not, you know, I mean, you know, for whatever your belief is on this, it's not necessarily a worldwide pandemic. It's a bad flu. Yes, people are dying. Yes, people are suffering. I'm not minimizing that. But the reality is, is we are, we're not seeing what they said was going to happen, and yet fear is driving people into hysteria. We need to know who we are. We need to understand that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. All those who rise up against us will fall. The only way that that won't happen is if you don't believe it. If you don't trust the God who said it and walk in it. It's His power. It's His might. And we're just jars of clay. We are, we're, we're frail. We're, we're, you know, I I'm always, uh, uh, interested to see how frail human life truly is. I mean, it can be done. Somebody, you know, years ago, I used to be crazy, wild. I used to ride a motorcycle without a helmet. And I, you can't, it's amazing how many people have to remind you that riding a motorcycle without a helmet is dangerous. And I would just smile. And I said, well, I, I know a guy who died walking down his stairs, slipped on the bottom stairs, hit his head, and died. Life is dangerous. Life is going out. Oh man, now I'm going to step over. Should I stop there? Going out without a mask is not dangerous. Sorry, sorry. Debbie said no. Debbie says stop. Okay, Debbie, Debbie's here. The voice of wisdom. I'll stop. I don't know. I'm just getting a little annoyed. 
with this world right now. I'm getting a little annoyed because, well, see, see, I'm going to get political now. I'm going to, I'm going to stop. They're stopping me. Thank you, sweetheart, for being so wise. Okay, moving on. Life is fragile. So you, what do you need? You need the, the, the promises of God to tell you how to live your life. He's told you what to do and what not to do. He's told you how to live your life. He's given us the promises. He's given us the hope. He's given us everything we need to live this life. Trust Him. Believe Him. Follow Him. Verse 8, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, if anybody wanted to talk about uh, tragedy, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, when you read about his resume of afflictions, you know, he was beaten with rods three times. He was shipwrecked. What? Two, it was, we only read about the one, but apparently there were other ones. He was, he was stoned to death one time and then got up and went back out and preached. I mean, this guy, I mean, you talk about having a rough time. Much of these letters, most of the New Testament is written while he's in chains. He's in jail. You want to talk about having a rough stretch. Be locked up in prison. I saw this week how the, the 12 apostles, or you know, uh, the, the 11 apostles and, uh, and Bartholomew, or the guy that took, or Matthias, that took over for, for uh, uh, Judas, how they died preaching the gospel. I mean, you want to talk about hardship. These guys went through hardship. The Christians all over the world have gone through hardship. There have been the, the, the crusades, not the crusades, but the Colosseums. There's, there's been the, the, the tortures. There's been uh, communist countries repressing Christianity. This is not it. This is not the worst thing. But through it, we can move forward. Through it, the kingdom of God has always moved forward. This thing will not stop us. I don't care if they say you can't meet anymore. You know, some people have said, you know, why are, you, why are we not having services? Well, okay, we're just going to be wise. We don't want to end up on 60 minutes. But at the same time, there will be a day when they say you can't get together at all. Well, then we'll just have to say it's better to follow God than to follow the world. There will be a time when we have to, to, to take that step of faith. But today's not it. We can do this. They're not, you know, they, they're encouraging us in this. But there will be a day. And how do we react to that? Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. You gotta think about this for a second. This is, this, this passage of scripture kept coming to me last night. I'd wake up every once in a while and I would just hear this passage of scripture over and over. I knew I was supposed to preach on it. And, and later on is actually the scripture that I, that I know is the, the one that, you know, this is the one we need to, for this day. But verse 10 is powerful. It says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? That we're supposed to whip ourselves and we're supposed to drive nails through our hands, we're supposed to be hung on a cross? Well, of course not. That's not what it's that that we carry in our body the death of Jesus. What was the death of Jesus? Let me let me put this out there for you to to chew on a little bit. 
The death of Jesus was obedience. It was obedience to God. That's where He died. Yes, He physically died on the cross, but where He really died was in the garden the night before. When He said, not my will be done, but yours. Human beings are so prideful. I'm not, but there are, I know so many people who are so prideful. It's, what do I get out of this? How do I survive? How do I make it? I mean, gracious, good night. I didn't want to bring up all this you know, hysteria stuff, but come on, people. The whole toilet paper thing. Really? Come on. Hand sanitizer. You know, you still can't find hand... Not that I need hand sanitizer. I'm clean. Touching my face. Running with scissors. Stop. Okay, I'm stopping. Sorry. <laughs> Told you I was in a weird mood today. I'm sorry. The death of Jesus was obedience. If God says go, you go. If God says, Pastor Jonah, if God says give, you give. If He tells you to give it all, would you give it all? Would you go empty out your bank account? And don't, okay, don't take this as, well, he said. No, if, if, if he says, take out everything in your bank account and give it to such and such, so and so. Don't even, don't even think about RVCC. Nobody do that this week. Unless you're going to, it's 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue. I will stop now. I will stay on track. But, sorry. I'll get serious now. I've been serious. I've just been a little goofy. Okay, so if he tells you to empty out the bank account, would you do it? If he tells you to, to sell everything and move halfway across the world and preach the gospel, would you do it? If he told you to go to your next door neighbor, would you do it? If he told you to go to Karis Bible School this fall, would you do it? That's just really been on my heart lately. In this time, when you're trying to, when, when God has given us the ability to really settle down and decide what's really important in our lives, would you follow Him? Will you go where He tells you to go? Will you do what He tells you to do? Would you go and be a missionary? We need missionaries. The, the, the countries will open back up. I guarantee you, they will open back up. This is not the end. This is the beginning of the end. And we need the gospel preached everywhere. If he tells you to go to, to Karis Bible School this fall, I want I just I heard myself doing this this morning. When I was in prayer, when I was seeking the Lord, I kept hearing, I want you to stop right now and I want you to pray. I want you to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Leave it open. Leave it open. I'm not going to tell you one thing or another, but Lord, what do you want me to do right now? How are you leading me in this time? I'm listening. You got my attention. You've got my attention. I'm listening. What do you need me to do? Do you need me to go here, go there, do this, whatever? Lord, do you need me to go to Karis Bible School this fall? Do you need me to sign up? I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how the money is going to come in. I don't know how I'm going to have enough time. 
I don't know. I don't know. I, he didn't tell you to figure it out how to do it. He just said, will you obey? Will you go? Will you be who He's called you to be? The death of Jesus, I want to put out for consideration, is obedience. So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. How do people see Jesus when somebody like this does what He tells Him to do? And He takes that step out. I mean, when, when I realized that I was going to hell without Jesus, when I, if I was, that I was going to hell being selfish and trying to run my own life, when I realized that I needed to repent, I did, and I began to be obedient to, to Him as He led, and it was amazing how many people's lives He's touched through this vessel, this frail vessel. A life expectation of obedience will cause you to feel like you're dying. When you do His will, not yours, you die. When you follow Him instead of doing what you want to do, you die. You're being that living sacrifice that He's called us to be. Verse 12, So death is at work in us, but life in you, your death, your laying down of your life, your obedience to God brings life in other people. There are people, you know, this is not a bragging thing. This isn't bragging at all. There are people today who are not going to hell because I've shared my faith with them and they receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. They have life because I died. Because I said, not my will. I, I mean, I'm just like everybody else. You know, go, go tell people that you're, you're, you've, you've decided to follow Jesus. Well, that's just soundly, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher. It's, it should be easy for me. No, there are times when it's not easy for me. And I have to, I have to choose to be obedient to do it. Just like everybody else. But because of that death in me, that obedience in me, life, is produced. Doing what God tells you to do brings life in others. Yeah, but I'm dying. Well, suck it up. Move forward. Keep going. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. Knowing, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. This obedience is moving us towards the end. Everything that we do is moving us towards the end. It either moves us quickly or slowly. But it's moving us. And as we move forward, we know that the end is life everlasting. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. If you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, if you're not a Christian and you're listening this morning, death is the worst thing that will ever happen to you. Because you will be dead forever. And I don't mean loss of consciousness, you're off in the, you know, you're just unaware. No, I'm talking about the real death, the second death, which is separation from God for eternity. 
separation from the only thing in the universe that's worth everything. Death, separation, hell. Hell is death. The second death, separation from God. It's easy to step over. You literally can do it right this second. And I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to, to, to sign up and send your money in. I'm not asking you any of those things. What I'm asking you is to lay down your pride and to accept what Jesus did on the cross. To, to be obedient to Him that says there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. If, if you don't receive what Jesus does did for you on the cross, you will spend eternity separated from God. All you have to do is believe that He did what He said He did on the cross. You, you believe that that blood that He shed was for you. And you speak it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you are saved. It is that easy. It's that easy. Then, it's going to cost you everything. It literally costs you everything. I'm going to be honest with you. It will cost you everything. He may say, you need to stop doing that. You need to, to walk away from that situation. You need, you need to move towards this. You need to follow Him. He will say all of those things. And you have to make choices. And that's where you die. But I'm telling you, you're giving up death here in this earth for life eternal. That's what's important. There is a reward for dying. There is a reward for obedience. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. This whole thing, this move of God that we're now in. It's not coming. People say that there's a revival coming. It's not coming. It's here. It has begun. I'm seeing it. We're seeing it every day. I'm hearing about it all the time. I've been hearing some of the most amazing, astounding uh, uh, testimonies. And we need to get some people, well, I need to talk them into coming up here and doing this on, on video. I've been hearing some of the most open doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached by regular people, by everyday people. More, more than I've ever heard before. Doors are opening for the Gospel to be preached. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. Ask Him what you should do. Ask Him how you should live your life. Ask Him what your next step is. And then take it. Do whatever He tells you to do. But it's because of your obedience, the increase of thanksgiving to God happens. People finally see the light and they come into, into kingdom. They come into family. They come into life everlasting. But then they need to be discipled. Just because you lead them to the Lord doesn't mean your job's done. Now you need to walk with them. You know, Billy Graham, one of the greatest testimonies I've ever heard. You know, everybody you know, says how, how amazing Billy Graham was. And he is. But how many of you know about Mordecai Ham? You know about Mordecai Ham? Mordecai Ham is the guy who was leading the meeting when Billy Graham walked forward and received Christ. Just think. <laughs> Just think. Just think of the reward that that guy had no idea he was receiving. Just think. And he probably woke up that morning and goes, eh, I don't know if I'm going to do the meeting tonight. I'm kind of tired. 
I don't know if I want to deal with it. I don't know if I want to ride all those miles and go preach that sermon. And then after Billy Graham got saved, there was a businessman who had taken him to that meeting who met with him every day for a month. Billy Graham tells the testimony how how he met with him every morning for breakfast and started walking him through the Scriptures about who Jesus was, what Jesus did, how his life, he needs to be a servant. I don't even know that guy's name. I don't know that I've ever even seen it, but I've heard he told the story about it. It was a, a businessman in the local area that had brought him to the meeting and then discipled him for a month straight. Just think about that. People think, well, I don't know if I can disciple somebody. All you got to do is sit down and have a cup of coffee with them and answer their questions. And it's literally, for him, it was, a, it was an investment of one month. And look at the impact that man had on this world. The increase of thanksgiving. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. In the midst of this, this, is, this should not be something that devastates you. This quarantine, this stay at home, this so, social distancing, this whatever it is, should not be the end of you. If it is, my goodness, man up, woman up, child up, Teen up. People up. I think I covered them all. Everybody up. Yes, thank you. It's good to have feedback. Good, thank you. This should not be the end of you. This should actually be a springboard moving forward. When you, At the end of this, you should actually be able to say, wow, look what the Lord has done. Not that we're thankful for all this. This is annoying. But, let's take advantage of it and move forward. So, I want to give you some encouragement today. For you extroverts out there, hang in. For those of you who are just like, ready to explode. There are people out there. You'll see them again, I promise. Hang in there, you can do this. You know, though your outer self is wasting away, your inner self can be renewed day by day. What is it going to take for you to be renewed day by day? And then, for you introverts, hang in there. All those people who won't leave, they will leave, I promise. And then here's the verse. Here's the verse that I have. This is, what I, this is the one that, that I just believe is the, is the key of this sermon. Verse 17 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. says, For this light, momentary affliction. Whatever you're going through, it's a light, momentary affliction. You have to put that into the context of how Paul was writing this. He was in prison. He was in chains. His freedom was... He was, he was, he was forcibly quarantined so that the, the gospel couldn't be preached, so that he would stop preaching to people. What's hilarious is the New Testament was written during his light momentary affliction. Talk about the gospel cannot be stopped. 
I was in that list of how the different disciples died. And I can't remember which one it was, but one of them was beheaded. Was it James? I think it was James. And it says that James, while he was in prison, he preached many times at his trials. And there was a guard who was with him. There was a guard who oversaw his care the whole time he was in prison. And when they took James to be executed, to cut off his head, after they did, the guard knelt down, confessed his belief in Jesus Christ, and said, you better execute me too. It's in this light momentary affliction that the kingdom of God increases. This light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You cannot imagine eternity. And I'm not even talking heaven. That's a whole other that's a whole other subject. It isn't the place, it's the it's the existence with God forever. Eternity in his presence. We cannot imagine it. It is so much better. You think about the best possible eternity ever and it's better. It is it is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the for the things that are seen are transient. They're passing. They're, they're only going past us. This, this quarantine is just, it's going to pass. I don't know when it's going to pass. It doesn't matter. Take advantage. Whatever, you, whatever, it, whatever it affords, do it now. It's going to pass. This affliction is going to pass. Even, think about this. You put this in the light of what Jesus did. It says that He looked at the cross. He knew Long time before he went to the cross, what was going to happen that day? He read it in the scriptures. He saw himself. He knew what was going to happen. And it says that he scorned the cross. It was a light, momentary affliction in his eyes. He looked at the worst. I mean, you just, you can't even imagine the torture. We don't want, I don't want to imagine the torture. And he looked at it and he decided that's a light, momentary affliction compared to what He did. And that is giving all of us life everlasting. Glory to God. Glory to God. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is something more important than this moment in your life, and that is eternity. There is something bigger in this moment, and that is eternity. We need to live like it. We need to live like it. You need to choose. It's your choice to live like it. How are you going to live? How are you going to take the next step today? Right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? What's the next step of my life? 
and be ready for Him to say whatever He says. Years ago, almost 30 years ago, well, actually, probably 30 years ago, I was saying, Lord, send me. I'll go anywhere. I wanted to be a missionary. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And the Lord said, you're going to be a pastor. I laughed. It's not what I wanted. It's the last thing I wanted. I said, anything. You know, I'll be a missionary. I'll be a prophet. I'll, I'll do anything you want. Just I don't want to be a pastor. What's the next step? Now do it. Follow it. Move towards it. Obey Him. Yeah, you'll feel like dying. I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. You're going to feel like you're dying. But the, the glory that comes from that obedience, both now in other people's lives, in, you, in things that you'll experience, the, the glory of, of life everlasting, and then it's the life everlasting part. It's worth it. It's worth it to give up everything else to follow Him. I challenge you today. Father, I do thank You for Your Holy Spirit, for Your love for us, for Your goodness and Your protection and Your mercy. Father, I thank You that in the midst of this, that the Kingdom of God grows daily. Thank You, Father, for Your name being lifted up higher and higher every day. And we ask, Father, that You and only You receive the glory for what's happening in the kingdom for Your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless. See you next week.